Well, we're here today to celebrate Canna's birthday, and we invited you to wear some attire from your country of origin. So I had two options. I can wear lederhosen. How many people are glad I didn't wear that today? But I thought I'd put on the kilt and honor my Scottish roots. My grandpa McDermott would be so proud of me today. How many people are glad that you came to church this morning? Come on, are you glad? Across the city of Ottawa, across the nation of Canada, and even from around the world, you've joined us today. We are so honored and so glad that you've joined us for this service. Well, I want to invite you to take your Bible this morning. Turn with me to John chapter 17. I want to talk to you today in our sermon series as we're talking about with one another, the one another sermon series. I want to talk to you about being united with one another. So I want to invite you to take your Bible and turn with me, if you would please, to John chapter 17. And we're going to take some meaningful moments this morning to explore this great chapter, John chapter 17. And as we begin, I want to give you quickly just 10 things from John chapter 17 that I think are going to help us better understand this passage of Scripture. First thing I want to share with you, number one, that this actually is the longest recorded prayer of Jesus in the entire Bible. Jesus prayed many times. You might remember he prayed seven times when he was on the cross. Remember he said, it is finished. He he prayed different prayers. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, but this is the longest prayer, the longest recorded prayer that Jesus prayed as found in the Bible. I think it's worthy of us looking at today. The second thing I want to point out to you is, is, and this, this is a technical thought, but this is actually, in the truest sense, the Lord's Prayer. Some of you are like, well, Mark, isn't the Lord's Prayer, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name? That actually is not really the Lord's Prayer. That's the disciples' prayer. That's the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. This prayer in John 17 is the prayer that Jesus prayed. Luke chapter 11, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. And he said, when you pray, say. And then he went into that prayer for the disciples. But John 17 is actually the true Lord's prayer. Number three, there are three themes in this prayer. Three themes I want to point out to you. The first thing that Jesus prayed, number one, he prayed for himself to be glorified. He took some time in his prayer to pray that he would be glorified. And then secondly, he took some time to pray for his disciples that they would be sanctified and they would be protected. But he put most of his attention on the third thing. He prayed for all believers to be unified. In fact, that theme is pasted throughout the prayer. He prayed for himself to be glorified. He prayed for his disciples to be, to be sanctified and to be protected. You can see that there. But he spent time in a lot of these verses, but very specifically in verse 20, down to verse 26, praying for all believers to be unified. And this morning, I want to talk to you about this prayer of being united, being in oneness, being in togetherness, being in, in harmony. Number four, in verse 20 down to verse 26, Jesus, in this prayer, is actually praying for us to be a community of unity. Jesus, in this prayer, in this long prayer that he prayed, he prayed for you and I, he prayed for all believers to be a community of unity. Now, there's a lot of verses that I can give to you today, but let me just give you three that really stood out to me. One is found in Psalm 133, verse 1 
where the psalmist said how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. And in Psalm 133, he went on to say it, it, it's like the oil that pours down the beard of the priest Aaron onto his robe and down to his feet. He said it's like the dew that came down on Mount Hermon and flowed down the mountain. And then he ended that chapter that said, and it's there that the Lord bestows his blessing. Psalm 133 teaches us that where there's unity, there's blessing. How many people this morning want to live under the blessing of God? Anybody want to live under the blessing of God? Anybody want to live under the blessing of God? Unity sets the stage for the blessing of God. I thought of Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, where Paul said there's neither Jew nor Gentile. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. You see, Jesus broke the barrier of gender, male and female. Jesus broke the barrier of any social status or class. And Jesus broke the barrier of nationality and ethnicity. And today we celebrate our diversity. Isn't it great that we're part of a church of, of many generations? We've got, we've got like three children that were born, three babies that were born in the church family in the past number of weeks. And we even have a lady in our church that just turned 101 and all ages in between. Isn't it great to be part of a church that's intergenerational? and over 85 nationalities. Some of you come from the continent of Africa, some from Europe, some from Asia, from South America, from North America, from Australia. We come together united by Jesus. The glue is Jesus. But then there's what Paul wrote in Philippians 1, verse 27. And he's writing to a church that needed to learn to be a community of unity because there was division. But he said in verse 27, whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. Paul is calling the church in Philippi to be a community of unity because where there is unity, God bestows a blessing. There's number five. I want you to note this, that in this prayer, Jesus doesn't pray for uniformity. Uniformity is where everyone is the same. There's no two people here today that are the same. Did you know when God made you, he threw away the mold? Anybody glad that there's not two of you on planet Earth? Anybody glad for that? You're unique. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Jesus isn't praying here for uniformity, and he's not praying for unanimity. He's not praying for us to be unanimous in everything, where everyone's in agreement of opinion. How many people this morning are married? Lift up your hand. Lift up your hand. Are you married? Lift up your hand. Put your hand down. Have you ever had a disagreement as a married couple? Don't lift up your hand. Let me word it differently. Have you ever had some intense fellowship in your marriage? I mean, even married people can't always agree. The truth is, you, when you walk hand in hand, you don't always see eye to eye. In fact, to see eye to eye, you can't necessarily walk hand in hand. And so this is not a prayer for us to be unanimous. It's a prayer for unity, which means oneness of heart. 
oneness of faith and oneness of purpose. It actually comes from an ancient Greek word that we get the English word harmony. I don't know if you love music, but don't you love when instruments can come together playing the same song? And they might be playing different notes and different chords, but there's a harmony as they're playing the same song to the same tune. And there's a harmony even though they're playing different notes. That's what God is calling you and I to be because we can learn that in the midst of our diversity, there can be unity, and it's a prayer for unity. Some of you are thinking, is this actually possible? Would it actually happen in the book of Acts? Let me show you. In Acts 1, verse 14, they all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the woman and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. There's 120 believers in an upper room praying for 10 days in unity. And then you come to chapter 2, verse 1. The day of Pentecost comes, and they were all together in one place. And if you love the King James Version, it says they were all in one accord. And by the way, that's not a Honda Accord. They were in harmony. They were in unity. And I think the greatest miracle of Pentecost, yes, was when he poured out his Holy Spirit. But I think another miracle of Pentecost is 120 were in an upper room for 10 days and worked out their differences and became a community of unity. And God poured out a spirit. Look at Acts chapter 2, verse 44. All the believers were together and they had everything in common. They were in unity. Look at verse 46. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts together and they broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts but then the icing on the cake is when you come to chapter 4 verse 32 all the believers were one in heart and mind they were a community of unity and God poured out his blessing and the early church was marching in unity and became a force that could not be reckoned with. And they advanced the kingdom of God. And hell couldn't hold back what the early church was doing. And friends, the secret of the early church can be found that they were functioning in unity. And when a church is in unity, it can do more for the kingdom of God than a church that's in disunity. So Jesus doesn't pray for uniformity. He doesn't pray for us to be unanimous. He prays for unity. But then there's number six. It is possible, friends. It is possible to be diverse and not divided. It's possible for us to be a diverse church and yet not a divided church. When I read the prayer of Jesus in John 17, I'm learning that he's not praying for sameness. He's praying for oneness. And I'm learning that it's a prayer that teaches us there can be diversity in unity. So God's brought us together from different countries from around the world. 85 nationalities. How many people today are from Africa? Come on, let me hear from the Africans right now. Come on, Africans! How many people are from Asia? Come on, from Asia. Come on, Asia. How many people from Europe? Somewhere in Europe. Come on, European. Shut up. Oh, that was weak. How many people from South America? How many people from Antarctica? Just kidding, just kidding. 
We got people from all around the world, North America, South America, Asia, Europe, Africa. And what unites us together? Come on, somebody say his name. Come on, somebody say his name. Jesus. Could you put your hands together and give a clap offering of praise to Jesus? The seventh thing I want to point out to you, oh, church, I want you to notice that this prayer is soaked and it's saturated with urgency. And as I read John 17, I saw the intensity and the temperature go up as Jesus is praying for unity four different times in this prayer. And the intensity and the urgency builds. Look at verse 11. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world. Jesus is saying, I'm going to go to heaven, but they're going to stay in the world. And I'm coming to you. I'm coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. And then you come to verse 21, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I'm in you. And then in verse 22, the intensity, the urgency built, I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. And then in verse 23, I in them and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. The urgency, the intensity built. But then there's number eight, and, I, and I, I actually didn't see this on my own, but as I studied from commentators this week, they, they pointed out to me that the word that is used 19 times in this prayer, and that didn't feel too significant to me. So they pointed out that the word that, this is a purpose clause, and it can probably be better translated, so that, 19 times in this prayer, Jesus said, so that, to indicate that Jesus had a purpose behind this prayer. It wasn't random. It was with purpose. And he's praying that his followers would become united with him and with each other. But then there's number nine. It almost seems so obvious. But we often miss it that this prayer was prayed out loud for the benefit of his disciples. You know you don't have to pray a prayer out loud. I prayed prayers in my mind. How many people know Jesus can read the prayers and hear the prayers when you pray from your mind? But so why did Jesus pray this prayer out loud? Not because he wanted the Father to hear it. He wanted the disciples to hear it because the disciples in that upper room, they were bickering and they were fighting. Who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Who's going to sit on your right? And who's going to sit on your left? And so Jesus prayed this prayer out loud for the benefit of his disciples so that conviction would come over them regarding their disregard for unity as they heard Jesus pour out his heart for harmony to the Father. I would imagine you could have dropped a pin in that room when the disciples heard Jesus crying out for togetherness in harmony. And then there's number 10, the very fact that Jesus prayed for unity indicates to me that we can't accomplish this on our own, but we need supernatural strength to do this. We do our best, but God can do the rest. How can we accomplish this? Through the power and the working of Holy Spirit. 
I love what Paul said in Ephesians 4, verse 3. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And sometimes we go, well, I did my best, and and I'm not the one that has the problem. They're the one that has the problem. But Paul said, no, make every effort. Do your best to maintain the unity, the harmony, and the togetherness. You do your best, and let the Holy Spirit do the rest. Because God is trying to create a community of unity. With this in mind, I want to leave you with five principles from Jesus' prayer for unity that I want to drop very briefly and very quickly into your spirit. And number one, the parameters of unity in our text includes all believers. Verse 20 and 21, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one. And I think there's two things that stand out to me with this prayer of unity. And the parameter is for all believers. And first of all, we must avoid extreme separatism to think that the kingdom of God is only as big as our church. It's not us four and no more. There are believers all across Ottawa. In fact, if I asked you this morning, how many churches are there in Ottawa? Some of you would want to say 100, 200, 300, 400, 500. But the answer is there's really only one church, one true church in Ottawa with over 400 different expressions. And we are one expression of one church in the city of Ottawa. But then there's something else. We must be careful that we avoid sloppy ecumenicalism. And I've met people that are very sloppy in uniting with other people. In fact, I've met churches that say we can agree on everything. And if you can agree on everything, it probably means that you believe in almost nothing. You see, friends, what truly unites us to another church in the city is when there's a life-giving church that says, we believe that God sent his son, Jesus, and Jesus walked on the earth, and he died for our sins, and they put him in the grave, and up from the grave he arose. I can unite with a church that says there's only one way to heaven, and it's through Jesus Christ, because Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There's a growing wave that says all religions lead to the same God. I'm here to declare to you that there's only one true God. And I'm here to declare to you that God sent his son, Jesus, and Jesus came for you and for me. But I'm here to say to you that Woodvale Pentecostal Church is not in isolation. There are thousands of believers here in the city of Ottawa. And I believe when we get together with other churches, that together, churches that believe that Jesus is the only way, we can do more for the kingdom of God, we are better together than we are on our own. And I'm here to declare to you today, we need to take more time praying for our sister churches in this city, praying that God would pour out a spirit upon those churches as well. Somebody give a clap offering of praise to our Lord God. The parameter of unity includes all believers, but then there's number two, the pattern or the model for unity is linked to the unity within the Trinity. What is the Trinity? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Jesus is not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not Jesus. Jesus is not the Father. The Father is not the Holy Spirit. All three are God. God in three persons. Blessed Trinity. 
And the community of unity between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit becomes the model. It becomes the pattern for the unity of community in the church. And so in verse 11, so that they may be one as we are one. Jesus prayed that. May the believers be one just as Father, Son, Holy Spirit are in unity. Verse 21, Father, just as you are in me and I'm in you, may they also be in us. Verse 22, I've given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one church the pattern or the model for unity is found in the community of the trinity and so our model our pattern is the unity of father son and holy spirit three but one god in three persons blessed trinity the third thing the purpose this one convicts me the purpose for unity is to accelerate evangelism I want to show you something in verse 21 where Jesus said, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. And then in verse 23, then the world will know that you have sent me. Jesus is saying that when the church gets in community of unity, it will let the world know that he has sent them, and then the world will know and come into a saving knowledge. Here's the deal. When seekers and searchers walk into any church, they can sense almost immediately if there is unity or divisity. Unity attracts, division repels. What Ottawa needs, doesn't need, I should say, is any community that is marked with dissension and disunity. The truth is unity attracts and disunity repels. And when unity is absent and when there is dissension and when there is division I'm here to say to you it hinders any move of God I've got a feeling that there's many moves of God that have been hindered because of a spirit of disunity some of you are sitting here today going, Mark, why are you talking about this? Do you think there's disunity in Woodfield? No, I'd sooner preach I'd sooner preach proactive than corrective I would say to you, Whitfield, let's maintain the unity that God has already placed in this place. And let's protect the unity of the Spirit in this place. Let's not tolerate gossip. Somebody say amen. Let's not tolerate when people speak bad of someone else. Let's protect the unity. Let's not elevate one nationality over another nationality. Let's only elevate the name of Jesus Christ. Let's not say one age group is more important than another age group. Let's not say one social class is more important than another social class. May the only one that we lift up in Woodvale be the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. But when there's unity... It accelerates evangelism. But then there's number four. The practice of unity actually puts God's reputation on display to the entire world. Let me read verse 22. I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I started to study the word glory, and the word glory means weighty, W-E-I-G-H-T-Y. It means weighty or heaviness. See, glory means weighty or heaviness, and it represents the visible manifestation of all God's attributes. 
Disunity hinders God's reputation. So Jesus said, I've given them the glory that you give me that they may be one as we are one. How many people want to make Jesus famous in Ottawa and in this region? Hey, come on. Anybody want to make God famous? When we walk and live in harmony and oneness and togetherness, we make Jesus famous in our city. Because the practice of unity puts God's reputation on display to the world. Look at verse 23. Then the world will know that you sent me and that you love me. You love them even as you have loved me. But lastly, there's number five, the point of unity. Mark, you've given us 14 points. This is number 15. What is the point of this? The point of unity is for us to be absolutely united. I started to study the word that's there in verse 23, I and them and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. And the word complete means it's the aim, it's the goal, it's, 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 it's the end. And, 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 and it actually speaks of maturity. A church that is spiritually mature is a church that's walking in harmony and unity and togetherness. A church that is spiritually immature is divided and divisive. Woodville, can we make every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in this place? The more unified we are, it becomes the basket to contain the revival that God is about to send. And I believe we need to take more time to do all we can to pray for and bless the other Bible-believing, life-giving churches in this city because when they win, we win. And may we never view them as our competition, but may we function in the spirit of cooperation to win this city and this region for Jesus Christ. I believe that God has postured this church for the days ahead to be a greater blessing in this city and this region. Somebody give a clap offering praise to our Lord God. Would you stand with me this morning? Father God, I'm asking that you would take this message today. I'm asking God that you would soak it in our spirit I pray, God, that we'd be, we be convicted about being a community of unity. And today, God, on the Sunday before Canada Day, as we celebrate our diversity, we understand that you've not called us to sameness. You've called us to oneness. And we know what yokes us and binds us together is you, Jesus. And it's all about you. So I pray, God, that in this church that is unified, that we would continue to maintain the unity, that, God, we would never speak bad about someone else, but we would speak words of life, that, Father God, that we would do all we can to protect the unity in this place, that we would be a church of harmony, a church of togetherness, a church of unity, because I believe, God, that when a church is like that, it's there that you command a blessing and you send revival. So, God, 
would you send revival to this church? Would you send revival to this city? And God, on this Sunday before Canada Day, we pray, would you send revival across the nation of Canada? We pray, God, from the far west to the far east to the far north to the far south, that you would send a mighty move of your Holy Spirit across the nation of Canada. I pray, Jesus, that we would do all we can to lift up the name of Jesus. Help us, Lord, to make you famous in the city of Ottawa. Help us, God, to make you famous in the nation of Canada. Our prayer today is, God, keep our land glorious and free. And God, in a climate today that seems to be anti-God, in a climate today that seems to be moving us more towards the end of the end of the return of you, Jesus, help us to do all we can to function in the spirit of unity and to make you famous in the city and in the nation of Canada. And now, Lord Jesus, we pray, send the fire of revival across Canada in the name of Jesus. So I thank you, God, for the diversity in this church. I thank you, God, that there is not sameness, but there is oneness. And we lift up your name. We lift up your name. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. 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 How many people are proud, glad Canadians today? Come on. How many people are glad to live in the nation of Canada? (laughs) Pastor Brad, come on up. You're going to sing the national anthem, Anglais et Francais, s'il vous plaît. Oui, oui. And if you know any other languages, you can throw them in there too, my dear friend. Come on, let's sing the national anthem. bowed, everyone's eyes are closed in these final moments whether you're here on site or you're watching online, if today was the day that you died and you stepped into eternity, you know that you know that you're ready for heaven. Was there a time was there a place, was there a moment that you personally said yes to Jesus Jesus said I'm the way, I'm the truth I'm the life, no one comes to the Father except through me Going to church doesn't make you a Christian. Reading your Bible doesn't make you a Christian. There has to be a moment that you personally asked Jesus into your life. You're standing here today or you're watching online and you've never 
invited Jesus in your life, I want to lead you in this prayer. And we're going to join you as you pray. Let's pray together. Dear Jesus, I ask you into my life. Please forgive me of my sins. I've decided to follow you. I receive you in my life. I declare you today as my Savior, my Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Open your eyes. Look this way. Celebrate salvation. Amen. I believe there's people right here on site and those of you online that you prayed that prayer. You made the best decision of your life. And if you're here on site on your way out, drop by one of the exit tables. we got a Bible for you. It's free. A little booklet called Follow. It's free. If you're watching online, connect with us online. We will connect back with you. On site, online, if you ask Jesus in your life, register for our Follow class. It's on Wednesday nights, and uh, it's going to help ground you in your new faith journey. Well, I've got a few final announcements I want to share with you. But first of all, can we one more time just welcome all of our first-time guests? Come on. Let's thank them all for coming. Yeah. And if you're a first-time guest, we're so glad that you came. I need to prepare you. I, I never wear a kilt just today. And, uh, but we hope you've enjoyed your experience. We hope you join us again next Sunday. And drop by a table on the way out. We have a coffee card for you. It's our way of saying thank you for coming. And tonight at 6 o'clock is our all-church prayer on-site. I hope you can make it. It's intergenerational. If you can't make it on-site, join online 6 to 7. And we're really looking forward to it. Good news. We, we, we can have 15% right now, which makes room for 800 people on a Sunday. But next week, we get to move up to 25%. Come on, isn't that great? 25%. And so we're really glad. We're really glad. So you still need to pre-register. But starting next Sunday, we move into phase two, and we can have 25%. Our missions committee met this past week, and we made a decision on your behalf that we want to announce today that we made a decision on your behalf to send $5,000 to Erdo, which is through the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada. It's through the Food Grains Bank, which helps countries around the world that are in famine. And there currently is a Canadian matching thing to this, that our $5,000 turns into $17,500. And we're able to support and help in a famine in, 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 the, in the country of Uganda and famine in the country of Yemen. And I thank the Lord for your generosity. Your $5,000 turns into $17,500. And we celebrate that we can be a blessing, a blessing in these countries. There's, there's opportunity after the service closes for you to have personal prayer. And if you'd like to come forward, we have a team of altar workers has come stand on a line at the front. And they'd be more than glad to pray with you. And if you've come prepared to give on site, there's offering buckets on the way out, and there's also Devon machines in the lobby. But I just want to close us in a word of prayer, and I thank you for coming. Hope you can join us tonight and join us next week. Father God, thank you for this day. And as we celebrate our diversity, we lift up your name today. Amen. I pray, God, that our time together would just be imparted into our hearts. I pray blessing upon everyone today. Give us a great Canada Day on Thursday. And give us a wonderful prayer meeting tonight. I pray blessing on each one. To God be the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.